Hello, I'm Patricia, and this is the Poetry Pete podcast. Welcome aboard. What treats do I have in store for you today? Well, I have part one of a conversation with Janice Doppler about Zoka. When I first started reading, Janice gave me a reading list to go through. I was a little worried. It seemed quite complicated. But the more I read, the more I learnt, the less I worried. I think by the time we've journeyed with Janice through the world of Zoka, you'll be ready to write. Possibly we'll already have some work in your notebooks inspired by this trip we're going to take together. You'll find the slides in the show notes, so you can go back and read them again. Links will also be there. And of course, this podcast will be here until the internet becomes obsolete. Probably. Now, two quick reminders if you're listening in real time, September 2023. You still have time to get us your split sequences. The deadline is the end of the month. That's the 30th. Peter Jastermski, originator of this form, has very kindly written the criteria for submission. You can't get better than that, can you really? And you'll find them on the submissions page of the website. Then, a reminder that if you're not on the Poetry P mailing list, you will not receive an invitation to write Flash Coup for us. It's fun. Don't miss out. Sign up on the website. Now, let's blow our minds and go and visit with Janice Doppler. Janice, lovely to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. So to reiterate what I've already said, this is the first part of Janice's presentation on Zoka. It's both complex and yet quite simple. And I know from chatting with Janice that there's a lot to tell you and some fantastic haiku examples to read to you. I'm going to put the slides in the show notes so you can go back and think about what Janice is saying. And if you're a member of the Haiku Society of America, you'll find an essay by Janice on this topic in Frog Pond 46.1. All these resources are going to be helpful when it comes to November's submission topic, which of course is Zoka. So there you have it. We're going to be writing November's haiku with Zoka in our minds. But what is Zoka? Janice, over to you to enlighten us. Hey, thank you very much. Today, we're going to learn what Zoka is. We're going to follow Basho seeking Zoka and then dip into some wisdom texts to see what ancient wisdom was sought by ancient Chinese sages. And then we'll look at Zoka in the haiku of contemporary poets. As Patricia said, there will be a second part of the program so that you'll be ready for November when Zoka is the topic for submission. Many haiku poets will recognize this quote. Do not seek the traces of the ancients, seek what they sought. Basho is often credited with this quote, but it is actually a bit of advice from Kukai, a Buddhist monk who lived nearly a thousand years before Basho. Before we go on, I have a couple of examples of haiku from Basho, which I believe illustrate 
demonstrate the creative energy of Zoka. I'll talk about them later, but I want you to be able to mull them over as I continue with the presentation. Travel weary, just as I finally find lodging, wisteria blossoms. Travel weary, just as I finally find lodging, wisteria blossoms. Petal after petal, mountain roses flutter down the sound of rapids. Petal after petal, mountain roses flutter down the sound of rapids. This is where our Zoka story begins. A quote from Basho. Saigo's waka, Soji's renga, Seshu's painting, Riku's tea ceremony. One thread runs through the artistic ways. And this aesthetic spirit is to follow the creative, to be a companion to the turning of the four seasons. Nothing one sees is not a flower. Nothing one imagines is not the moon. If what is seen is not a flower, one is like a barbarian. If what is imagined is not a flower, one is like a beast. Depart from the barbarian. Break away from the beast. Follow the creative. Return to the creative. This long quote brings up a few questions. Who were the four people Basho mentions? What is the one thread that runs through the artistic ways? What is the creative? And what does follow the creative, return to the creative mean? Well, the men that Basho named were chosen to show that multiple areas of Japanese culture are immersed in what Basho called one thread. Rikyu was a master of the way of tea. Soji, a classical Renga poet and travel journalist. Seshu was a master of Chinese style landscape painting. And Saigo was a famous Waka poet and a major role model for Basho. These four men lived long before Basho was born in the mid 1600s. Rikyu lived about a hundred years before Basho. Sochi and Seshu preceded Basho by 200 years and Saigo by 500 years. The one thread named by Basho is Zoka, is the creative. This concept is absent from English. Stephen D. Carter, in his book titled Matsuo Basho Travel Writings, translates Zoka as the creative, the dynamic spirit that informs the natural world and the inner workings of the cosmos. David Landis Barnhill also translates Zoka as the creative. He explains Zoka as the world's unceasing and spontaneous disposition 
to give rise to beautiful and skillful transformations throughout the natural world. Soka is the unpredictable creative force of nature. Nature's tendency and ability to continuously self-transform. It's the perpetual emerging, transforming and returning to the source of everything in the cosmos. I'll show you more about this later on. So what does it mean to follow the creative, follow Zoka? I propose that there are two ways. One is to look back through time to trace what and where our poetic ancestors sought. The other is to look inward at where our own hearts lead. Now that we've been introduced to what Zoka is, we're ready for our story to turn to following Zoka. Let's start by getting a taste of how Basho followed Zoka. We'll use David Barnhill's translation that was mentioned previously. We'll revisit the key part of the long quote that began our story, dig into a few haiku, and examine a prose example. Basho set the intention for his journey documented in that sack notebook in an essay-like beginning where the long quote appeared. He wrote, one thread runs through the artistic ways and this aesthetic spirit is to follow the creative. Here's one of the poems from the beginning of the presentation. Let's talk a little bit about it. Travel weary, just as I finally find lodging, wisteria blossoms. For me, this shows a man exhausted by a day of travel, yet is kept from resting because he's captured by the beauty of wisteria. The workings of Zoka, nature's tendency and ability to continuously self-transform is what brings wisteria into bloom. Travel weary, just as I finally find lodging, wisteria blossoms. Here's another poem from the beginning. Petal after petal, mountain roses flutter down, the sound of rapids. The images of falling petals and the movement of water in a mountain stream show the power of Zoka. Everything is perpetually emerging, transforming, and returning to its source. Petal after petal, mountain roses flutter down, the sound of rapids. Here's a haiku we haven't seen yet. Spring rain flowing down the tree, the pure spring water. For me, the water cycle described by modern science points to the energies of Zoka. Although this haiku puzzles me, 
the rain and spring are parts of the water cycle. So they point to Zoka. Spring rain flowing down the tree, the pure spring water. This prose appears near the end of Basho's travel journal, and it shows how he followed Zoka. I gazed upon the skill of the creative in the beauty of the mountains, fields, and coast. I pursued the truth of the masters of the aesthetic way. It was like finding jewels among junk or discovering gold amid mud. To jot down such things and relate them to others is one of the true treasures of the journey. Basho gazed at beautiful landscapes, then let them seep into his heart. And he pursued his understanding of how the masters before him sought truth. We've seen that the one thread that runs through everything is Zoka. If we are to follow Kukai and Basho's advice to seek what the ancients sought, what did they seek? How does the thread stretch from Basho to ancients? I studied Chinese history and philosophy for years before beginning to journey with haiku. A connection between Basho's advice and ancient Chinese wisdom text, texts struck like a bolt of lightning when I read Stephen Carter's translation of the creative as Zoka. Since I'm the first to propose the connection, it's important to touch upon a few key connection points for the thread. I think of them as being like links in a chain a very long chain with lots more links than we'll talk about today. As we saw, Basho looked back to the four masters. All of them looked back to Chinese thought that spread to Japan during the Tang Dynasty. And Tang Dynasty scholars and artists look back to wisdom texts written in the first century before the Common Era. Right now, we'll take a quick look at the Tang Dynasty before delving into the wisdom texts. The Tang Dynasty from 600 to 907 Common Era was a time of great flourishing of philosophical thought in China. It was a golden age of Buddhism that spread from, China, from India, something Kala Ramesh spoke about when she was on Poetry P podcast. Tang poets Dufu and Li Bai were favorites of Basho. Chinese poetry, Taoist philosophy, and Chan Buddhism spread to Japan and became popular with poets, painters, and scholars. It might seem like linking Basho to China's Tang Dynasty nearly 2,000 years before his birth. It's too much of a leap. But long before he became known as Basho, our haiku ancestor 
chose the pen name Tosi, which means peach green. And it was an allusion to Lee Bai, which means plum, plum white. Here's a poem by Lee Bai, Waterfall at Lushan. Sunlight streams on the river stones. From high above, the river steadily plunges. 3,000 feet of sparkling water, the Milky Way pouring down from heaven. As I said, the concept of Zoka was part of the spread of philosophy and culture from Tang, China to Japan. Zoka was known across cultures and the character for it is the same in Japanese and Chinese. In Japanese, Zoka is called Zoka. In Chinese, it's called Zaohua. And in English, one of the translations is the creative. Over time, Chinese and Japanese thought and culture merged into uniquely Japanese understandings that remained popular among poets and artists until the time of Basho. Tang Dynasty scholars and writers sought guidance in ancient wisdom texts. A bit of confusion enters here because there are two systems for translating Chinese into English letters. I use pinyin, which was developed by the Chinese government in the 1900s. Wade Giles was developed by two Englishmen in the mid 1800s on the slides it follows in parentheses. Both systems are in use in books currently available in English. These texts are sources for poets, artists, and philosophers who turn to them for inspiration for millennia. Tao Te Ching, I Ching, both explore the workings of Zoka in the cosmos. The Zhuangzi is a collection of prose stories about how to live within the mysteries of the cosmos. In part two, we'll explore how I Ching and Zhuangzi can be relevant for contemporary poets. I mentioned Tao Te Ching here since it's the most commonly known of the Chinese wisdom texts. However, other than a quick story, we won't dig into the text today. Tao Te Ching was attributed to Lao Tzu, but he probably lived only in legend. Supposedly, when he was going off to the West to escape the chaos and violence of his time, he was stopped by a gatekeeper who demanded that he write his wisdom before granting Lao Tzu passage through the gate. So he, overnight, he wrote 81 poem-like chapters about the mystery of the Tao, otherwise known as the cosmos. In I Jing, the Book of Changes, there are 64 hexagrams, two are important for our purposes. The other 62 examine every possible stage of change. A hexagram is a symbol with six lines. 
the first hexagram, the creative, is six yang lines. The creative describes the two energies that comprise Zoka. We'll focus today on the creative, but it, ca it cannot exist in a universe without the second hexagram, the responsive, and that is made of six yin lines. The responsive are the physical forms that emerge in response to the energies of the creative, the energies of Zoka. How all this works is a mystery. Zoka is simultaneously two energies that drive the flow of change and transformation in the cosmos. Yang is the impulse to create and drive transformation. The yin energy is a response to the creative impulse. Zoka, according to the I Ching, is the cosmic force that pulses through the universe simultaneously as matter and energy. Zoka is a universal breath that animates all things and matter that gives form to all living things and all non-living things. Each interaction of the creative and responsive is a tiny bit of change. Tiny bits of change plus more bits of change yield transformation. All the ancient sages could do was describe the workings of Zoka based on what they observed. The seasons, the sun, and the moon. Zhuangzi was a historical person who actually wrote a significant portion of the book that bears his name. Basho encouraged his contemporaries to study the Zhuangzi and thought it was important enough for him to carry it during his travels. The Zhuangzi is a collection of parable-like stories. The stories illustrate how to live within the mystery of Zoka at work in the cosmos. There are many themes in the Zhuangzi, but how to cultivate Zoka is woven into many of the stories. We'll consider what I Ching and the Zhuangzi mean for contemporary haiku in part two of this presentation. For now, we need to know that I Ching offers possibilities of where to look for the impact of Zoka and the Zhuangzi has guidance for cultivating awareness of Zoka. At this point, we've heard the story of how Basho's one thread unites poets and artists from Basho to the sages who wrote Chinese wisdom texts. We've learned that what Zoka is, and we've peeked at how Basho followed Zoka in Knapsack Notebook. In part two, we'll extend the one thread to India to see how modern haiku applies ancient wisdom to follow Zoka and we'll ponder how we can cultivate Zoka for our own haiku. We'll wrap up today 
with haiku from contemporary poets. Sunlit rain, a snail extends its ice dogs. That's by Chuck Brick Brickley, and it was published in Cicada. The first line of this haiku shows a way we can witness the power of Zoka. The snail extending its eye stalks transforms itself a tiny bit in response to the impulse to explore its mini cosmos, Zoka at work. Sunlit rain, a snail extends its eye stalks. Thunder, the roses shift into shadow. That's by Roberta Beery, and it was a Kusamakura International Haiku Prize, uh, Grand Prize winner. Thunder is a manifestation of the power of Zoka, as is the shift of shadows on the roses. Thunder, the roses shift into shadow. Snow melting, the color of the river changes its rhythm. And that's by Maya Deneva. And that was published in Poetry P. In this one, the melting snow and the color of the river changing imply the transformational power of Zoka, each according to its own rhythm. Snow melting, the color of the river changes its rhythm. And here's one of mine that was published in First Frost. Comet tail unnoticed, fireflies. The comet and fireflies compare the vastness versus the smallness of the cosmos. It implies that the power of Zoka can be noticed or unnoticed at either end of the continuum. Comet tail, unnoticed fireflies. Here's one more for good measure before we end. Ocean ripples, the shape of the wind everywhere. And that's by Don Baird, and it was published in Haiku Wisdom. In this one, the simplicity of ocean ripples shows the power of Zoka exhibited in the wind. Ocean ripples, the shape of the wind everywhere. It's important uh, to know that Don Baird's haiku collection as the, as the crow flies focuses on Zoka. It's available at the Haiku Foundation website. And that's a good place to go and check out for more examples. Here's a quote from David Hinton. It's one of my favorite ways of understanding Zoka. Everyday experience is simply the cosmos seek, seeing itself, the cosmos thinking itself, the cosmos feeling itself. 
It's relevant for haiku poets because everyday experience is our source for inspiration. To me, that is evident in the preceding haiku. And I hope it will be in the haiku you submit for Poetry P's November prompt. Come back in part two for more examples of Zoka and guidance on how to be successful in your submission. I think Janice has given us a great deal to think about here now. So we should just leave it at that. Let Janice's ideas ferment and flow into our minds. And next time, as Janice said, we're going to have more Zoka, more examples of Zoka in haiku and more Janice. That can't be bad, can it? Thanks, Janice. See you next week. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed this first part of Janice's presentation. By the end of part two, you really are going to have another tool or more in your writing kit box. A tool you can use for all of your writing, not just haiku. And I hope that if you don't already have it, finding Zoka in your writing will give you an inner confidence. So have a great week. Enjoy those little transformations that Janice was talking about. And I'll see you back here for more Zoka next time. Till then, keep writing. And don't forget, check out the show notes for the slides and the links mentioned in this podcast. Let me know if you need anything. You know how. Ciao.